Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 716 of our three-year journey through the Word of God. And we come now to Isaiah chapter 32. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Your word is rich. Your word is a treasure to us. Your word shows us your son. It shows us your heart. It shows us our own condition and our need. It teaches us wisdom. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, it brings us life. So would you please write your word on our hearts? And would you please help us to walk in it today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 32. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed, and the ears of those who hear will give attention. The heart of the hasty will understand and know, and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak distinctly. The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to be honorable. For the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity, to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, and to deprive the thirsty of drink. As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil. He plans wicked schemes to ruin the poor with lying words, even when the plea of the needy is right. But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women, for the grape harvest fails, the fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you complacent ones. Strip and make yourselves bare and tie sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people growing up in thorns and briars. Yes, for all the joyous houses in the exultant city, for the palace is forsaken. The populous city deserted. The hill and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places, and it will be, and it will hail when the forest falls down and the city will be utterly laid low. Happy are you who sow beside all waters, who let the feet of the ox and the donkey range free. Isaiah 32 is a beautiful picture of the coming of the kingdom 
and the king who comes to reign in righteousness. Uh, this is a quite a contrast to the current political leadership in Judah and Jerusalem when Isaiah is prophesying. So this is, behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice. This will be the ideal administration over God's people, but it does not come under the present political structure that Isaiah is prophesying to. Now, we will have later, um, King Hezekiah is, is going to be a good king. Uh, he comes in about this time. He's, he's, he's already on the throne. We have King Josiah who's going to come in later, and he's going to be a relatively good and effective king. And so there will be previews of this, but ultimately we know that the king who reigns in righteousness is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so who are the princes who rule in justice? Well, we who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are a kingdom of priests. We are given by the Holy Spirit, uniting us to Christ, by Christ being in us and us being in Christ, by union with Christ, we share in his, in his messianic offices of prophet, priest, and king. Now, we're not prophets in that we receive fresh revelation from God, but we can speak the word of God because we've received the word of God. And so we can speak. We know, we understand the Bible by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the faithful teaching and preaching of his word, by those who are appointed as elders over the flock. We know the word of God. We're able to speak the word of God. We have a priestly function of intercession and of blessing. We can pray for other people and our prayers are heard. We can bless other people in the name of the Lord and those prayers are heard as well. And we have a kingly function, a, a stewardship. As, as princes under the high king, we exercise dominion over that part of creation that God's put into our care. In all of these things, we should be like Jesus. We should speak the truth, even as Jesus is the truth and always speaks the truth. We should pray without ceasing. We should make intercession for all people. We should uh, bless others in the name of the Lord and seek to be at peace with all people. And we should be faithful stewards to exercise uh, whatever authority God's given us, whatever responsibility God's given us, given us in a Christ-like way. What does that look like? Well, verse 2 tells us each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Is that how we would be described by those who know us? Whether this is, I think this is about Christ, this is about the elders within the church, regarding their shepherding of the flock of God, but it's also about every Christian and in our responsibilities to, to be ambassadors for Christ, to be those who represent Christ, who image God's character in the world. Are we providing shelter for people? Do people know they can come to us and we will pray for them and we will encourage them and we will tell them the truth in love we will not tell them necessarily what they want to hear or encourage them in their sin, but also we won't be a blast of hot air to try to condemn them and frighten them. We are streams of water in a dry place. We are the shade of a great rock in a weary land. That's what Jesus is to us. Like all of us, 
who are Christians, we would say of verse 2, Jesus is all of that for me. He's my hiding place in the wind. He's my shelter from the storm. He's my stream of water in a dry place. He's the shade of a rock in a weary land. Absolutely, he is all of that to me. So are we that to others? By the grace of God, because we belong to Jesus, are we that to others? That's convicting. <laughs> yeah. Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed. The ears of those who hear will give attention. You remember when, when Isaiah was commissioned through that vision in Isaiah chapter 6, and he was given this, this deeper understanding of the nature of his prophetic ministry that he was going to say to the people, be seeing but do not see, right? Hear but don't understand. How long until everything is laid waste, right? Until the exile comes. Well, now in a restoration in the Messianic age, in the day of the Lord, in that day, the expressions that's been used throughout Isaiah, comes a time when those who see are able to see, and those who hear are able to hear. And those who are prone to be hasty will be able to understand and know. And those who have not been able to speak the truth, they speak in a tripping way. This isn't talking about literal people who have a stuttering problem. This is talking about people who, whose way of speech is not naturally clear and direct and truth-filled and gracious, but is sort of halting and hesitant and double-tongued and confused because that's the way we are by nature. If I think about it, we speak some truth, but then we speak some lies. We speak some gracious words, but then some selfish words. So that kind of stammering, we'll learn to speak distinctly. We'll learn to speak the truth in love by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through elders, pastor, teachers, evangelists, and the people of God in the world. People come to see the truth they come to hear the truth, they come to understand and know the truth, and they come to speak the truth. That's the progression in verses 3 and 4. You see the truth, you hear the truth, you understand and know the truth, and then you speak the truth. Isn't that wonderful? But part of what happens here is that the fool will no longer be called noble. We'll be able to see very clearly, wait a minute, that person who's very selfish, who's very arrogant, who's very brash, who's very unprincipled, they're foolish. We're not going to call them noble. We're not going to exalt them to a position of responsibility. We're not going to call, if they're a scoundrel and we know they're a scoundrel, a self-seeking, dishonest, unethical manipulator of the truth, we're not going to, we're not going to call them honorable. We're not going to entrust them with a position of, of power and authority. Oh, how terrible. The witness of the church is before the world when the church is the one who exalts fools and scoundrels and calls them pastors and bishops and apostles and evangelists when the only thing they're preaching is prosperity, which is no gospel at all. So this is, this is what should be and what can be and what often is by the power of the Holy Spirit is shown here in Isaiah 32. But unfortunately, you look around at the church and sometimes you see, oh, this is not happening. Why? Well, because we're not following the Holy Spirit. We're not honoring Christ. We're living according to the standards of the world and we're being selfish and doing our own thing. And so that's why the fool speaks with folly and his heart is busy with iniquity. 
and he practices ungodliness and he utters error concerning the Lord, whether that's the prosperity gospel or whether that's the political gospel or whether that's the self-esteem gospel or whether that's the good people gospel of universalism where everybody's going to go to heaven because we're all basically good. They're speaking error concerning the Lord. So it's up to us who know the Lord to speak the truth, to speak the truth, because there are scoundrels whose devices are evil, who, who plan wicked schemes, who ruin the poor with lying words. It's one of the most heartbreaking things to see, particularly when I go to Africa and I interact with some of our brothers and sisters over there. You hear about the spread of the prosperity gospel, and much of what the spread of the prosperity gospel is all about is this pitch, sales pitch. Come to church, put money in the plate, and get your miracle. God will bless you. God will make you prosperous. God will make you healthy. Just come to church and put your money in the plate, right? And that's what they're they're selling things. They they have wicked schemes. They 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 ruin the poor with lying words, with bad theology, and with exploitive practices. But verse 8, he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. I'm so proud of the brothers that I've gotten to know in Uganda. And I'm so thankful for the faithful pastors who have blessed my life over the years. Pastors, I've been able to sit under their teaching and listen and read and grow and be blessed and challenged. And they have noble things that they proclaim and noble things that they instruct in. They know the truth and they're faithful to the Lord. And that's good because the scoundrels are out there. And so when truth is on the run, it needs to be countered by lies. Well, then we're warned in the second part of Isaiah 32 here, we're warned about complacency. Complacency. <sighs> complacency is just so easy for people. We get comfortable with the status quo. We think the way things are is the way things are always going to be. Warning signs pop up all around us. Um, sign that disaster is probably coming. And we just think, no, you know, we'll be okay. Of course, on the other side of it, you have scoundrels and schemers who will pitch all these wild and crazy theories about what's coming because they want you to buy their product or, or follow them or give them support. So there's two different ways that can go, right? With, with, you can have doom and gloom uh, teaching that's really designed to stir people up and sell a lot of books or get a lot of followers on social media or make a lot of money for a ministry or a political organization or whatever. And then on the other side, you can have people who are just saying, ah, it's okay. It'll be all right. But here, Isaiah has a warning for the women who are complacent. He says in verse 10, in a little more than a year, you will shudder for the grape harvest fails. The fruit harvest will not come. So you should tremble. And what should you do? Strip, make yourselves bare, tie sackcloth around your waist. What is that all about? Beat your breast for the pleasant fields. We need to repent. If, if God confronts us with sin in our lives, if we're told by God, this in your life is sinful, it's, it's out of line with my word, it is wrong, we need to repent. We need to repent in earnestness. We need to repent with, with a longing for God. Because if we don't repent, judgment comes. And that's the pattern throughout history with God's people is, God sends warnings, God confronts, God sends little mini judgments, 
And then if God's people won't repent, God sends bigger judgments. And that is that is the way that it has gone for God's people until, until what? Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. Until God decides in his sovereign goodness to send us refreshing, to send us salvation. So even as we're repenting of our sin, here's what we're called to do. Even as we're repenting of our sin, we're called to call out to God for the outpouring of his spirit upon his people, because he's the one who makes all the difference. So if you're concerned, if you're paying attention at all, if you're aware and you think, I look around me and I see a mixture of truth and error, I see some faithfulness and some faithlessness, I see some wicked schemers and some egotistical fools who are in positions of power and, and they're manipulating God's people, but I also see people who are striving to be faithful, then take a look at your own heart and your own life. Where am I with all of this? Am I acting in a way that's selfish, complacent, egotistical, lazy, half-hearted, apathetic? And what to do then? Repent and pray and seek the Lord for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Gather together with God's people and say, let's seek the Lord for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for we need the Holy Spirit to come and revive our hearts and to and to pour out upon us from on high until the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is a forest. There is justice and there is righteousness throughout a flourishing Creation, in verse 17, the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness will be quietness and trust forever. Many people will abide in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings. That's what we want. We want to be blessed in the Lord, not to be complacent, but to be thankful and joyful and thriving for the glory of God in our lives. So Isaiah 32 is calling on us to look to, submit to, and imitate the King who reigns in righteousness, and to seek the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that eyes might see, that ears might hear, that people might know and understand, and might speak the truth in love, that the noble who know the Lord would have courage to lead and would be followed by those who trust the Lord, and that those who are fools, that those who are scoundrels, would be exposed as such and would be set aside, that God's people might flourish to his glory, to his glory among us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your great power and love. Thank you for your son, the king who reigns in righteousness. Thank you for making us sons and daughters of the king, princes and princesses in your kingdom. Thank you that we have the opportunity to see the truth, to know the truth, to speak the truth, to imitate Christ, to be a balm to a hurting world, to be light to a dark world, to be comfort to a, to a crippled world that is chaotic and war-torn and, and, and divided. Help us to speak the truth in love. Help us to show the righteousness of Christ in our actions. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Work in us that which is pleasing in your sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That is Isaiah 32. Thank you for joining me. Tomorrow we are going to be going back to the Gospel of Luke. Hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.